Strategy is about setting yourself apart from the competition. It's not a matter of being better at what you do. It's a matter of being different at what you do. Michael Porter. Man's time here is finite, but the influence of a man is infinite. The question is what shall we do with the daylight that remains? All right, let's do this again. Today we're talking about blue ocean strategies, how to create uncontested market space and make the competition irrelevant, written by W. Chan Kim and Renee Malborn. So blue ocean strategy, this book is essentially a sales or business uh, strategy book that kind of talks about how, how you can separate yourself from the competition. Now, um, most businesses, right? They they find themselves in this sort of head-to-head battle with at least one or or maybe several competitors trying to capture a fair share of the market space, or as some people say, an unfair share of the marketplace, right? That's how a business really thrives is getting more than just uh, a sliver of the business, but taking a, a large portion and somehow getting clients to be dedicated to your services versus another or buy your product versus another. And that's a tough game. How do you differentiate yourself from the competition in order to attract more customers and loyal loyal, uh, following? So the Blue Ocean Strategy, the name basically is uh, an analogy for like fishing in a red ocean where the water's bloody and the sharks have already taken over those waters versus a blue ocean where you can really stand out and take an untapped market, right? And so that goes, it goes through some of those strategies of how you can identify that, implement it, and then duplicate it uh, again. So this book, um, I, I personally had a little bit of a difficult time getting into it. I think because I've heard so much about it prior to reading it that I, didn't feel like there was a lot of new information for me. Uh, However, I could really see this being something excellent for a business owner, especially in today's world where, uh, you know, everyone's trying to create a side hustle online. Maybe you are, you're, you're an entrepreneur and you're wondering what's like the next step for your business. This might be a, a really good thought project for you, a way of sort of mapping out your next step as your business to differentiate yourself from the competition, innovate some aspect of an industry, and really grab a new customer base with uh, much less competition than you're currently facing. So um, this could be super valuable to people like that, I think. The way the book was written reminded me of Good to Great, where they sort of tried to take an analysis of a bunch of different companies and say like, how did these companies break out from the field and do something very different that made them hugely successful for a certain period of time? And were there companies that were able to do this over and over and over, which they came to find out that not really. Some companies pulled it off once, maybe twice, but really nobody sustained, um, reoccurring blue ocean strategy events as they define it in the book, Um, which I think was another thing that kind of made me go, hmm, 
Well, if you, you can't just duplicate it, you can't find like a person or a company that that's been able to do it multiple times, then it seems like you had innovators in an industry that was prepared for a new phase, such as the music industry, right? Like Apple creating iTunes, um, it, it came at a time when digital networking across the world in the form of computers and cell phones and iPods and all this stuff was really, really catching fire and becoming more dynamic. And so it's not like people hadn't tried digital download versions before it just the marketplace wasn't really prepared for it and then may, and then finally as it was becoming prepared for that apple created a really really good version of it and separated themselves from the whole cd world or uh former less well done digital download platforms right so let me jump into the book here give you a few quotes, a few things that I thought were interesting and help you kind of understand if this book is one that you would like to read. So it's divided into three parts. Part one is blue ocean strategy, basically outlining what is this um, idea and how did they define a blue ocean strategy and the things they're going to do. So says, uh, we set out to quantify the impact of creating blue oceans on the company's growth in both revenues and profits in a study of the business launches of 108 companies. We found that 86% of the launches were line extensions, that is incremental improvements within the red ocean of existing market space, yet they accounted for only 62% of total revenues and a mere 39% of total profits. The remaining 14% of the launches were aimed at creating blue oceans. They generated 38% of total revenue and 61% of total profits. So those companies who were able to properly create blue oceans and launch some new version of a new product or separate themselves from the crowd generated massive amounts of profit by doing so. This section is called From Company and Industry to Strategic Move. How can a company break out of the red ocean of bloody competition? How can it create a blue ocean? Is there a systematic approach to achieve this and thereby sustain high performance? Moving on, he says, people have marveled at how a company's attained strong profitable growth with a distinguished set of strategic operational and organizational characteristics. Our question, however, was this. Are there lasting, excellent, or visionary companies that continuously outperform the market and repeatedly create blue oceans? Our analysis failed to find any perpetually excellent company or industry. What we did find behind the seemingly idiosyncratic success stories, however, was a consistent and common pattern across strategic moves for creating and capturing blue oceans. Whether it was Ford in 1908 with the Model T, GM in 1924 with cars styled to appeal to the emotions, CNN in 1980 with real-time news, 24-7 or compact Starbucks, Southwest Airlines or Cirque du Soleil, or for that matter, any of the other blue ocean moves in our study, the approach to strategy in creating blue oceans was consistent across time regardless of industry. So the next section says value innovation, the cornerstone of blue ocean strategy. 
I'm starting mid paragraph. He says the creators of blue oceans surprisingly didn't use the competition as their benchmark. Instead, they followed a different strategic logic that we call value innovation. Value innovation is a, a key piece of, of business, of course, right? You always hear people say, how do we create more value or provide more value? How do you provide value to your customer, to your client, to your team, right? How do you provide value? So he has this little diagram in here for this value innovation. So you got an upside down triangle, which is the cost to the client, right? And then on the bottom half is a buyer value. So a right side up triangle and where the diamond is between the cross of those two triangles is the value innovation. So they walk you through uh, various things to, to think about and look at in your own business. Uh, here's a great comparison of red ocean versus blue ocean. So a red ocean compete in existing market space. Like I started the podcast, like going head to head with someone else to do the exact same thing. A blue ocean, create uncontested market space. A red ocean, beat the competition. Blue ocean, make the competition irrelevant. <laughs> red ocean, exploit existing demand. Blue ocean, create and capture new demand. Red ocean, make the value cost trade-off. Blue ocean, break the value cost trade-off. <laughs> red ocean align the whole system of a firm's activities with its strategic choice of differentiation or low cost blue ocean align the whole system of a firm's activities in pursuit of differentiation and low cost so it's all about being different providing value in a space different from what all the others in your industry are really trying to do so the four actions framework this consists of which of the factors that the industry takes for granted should be eliminated. Number two, which factors should be reduced well below the industry standards. Number three, which factors should be raised well above the industry standards. And number four, which factors should be created that the industry has never offered. And in the middle of those things is your new value curve. Okay, now those four things without some context don't make a ton of sense. I'm sure you can kind of capture some value out of that. But um, like I said, you know, my my point of, of this is to kind of give you a skim of this book, help you understand what it might have to offer so that you can decide if this is uh, worth your time to purchase this book and read through it. But um, those are four critical steps to finding a new value offer for your client in an industry that you may be uh, dabbling in. So throughout the book, he gives, he uses several companies as examples of blue ocean strategy execution. Uh, one that he uses early in the book is the wine industry. So you may know the history of wine. I didn't, I mean, I'm not a drinker, so it's irrelevant to me. But as far as the blue ocean thing goes, the wine industry mostly dominated by multiple Euro European countries. There was a ton of variety across the brands and tastes and all these things. And they were very expensive to semi-low cost, but there weren't a whole lot of low cost. And it was kind of a threatening environment for a newbie, right? Well, this company basically took it down to like, do you want a red wine or a white wine? They made them super cheap, marketed it to the kind of casual drinker and took over the wine industry. And this is a, a, an American company, I think, that um, basically changed the wine industry by 
creating a blue ocean. They found out that, you know, casual drinkers weren't choosing wine, even though they may have liked wine, but they were confused by the choices, the price differences. They weren't sure how expensive should they go, all these things. And they basically created this advertisement that went, look, it's cheap. It tastes amazing. It's available. And you can take your pick of a couple different options. You're getting a high quality wine at a great price. And people went crazy for it. Uh, moving on. So he's got this grid called the Eliminate, Reduce, Raise, Create grid. Basically, you analyze your offering or the current state of the market. And it's like, what things are we going to eliminate? What things are we going to rise or improve or increase? What things do we need to create? And then what do we need to reduce uh, in order to change the way we offer or look to customers? Three characteristics of a good strategy. Number one is focus. Number two is divergence. Number three, compelling tagline. Would you have guessed those three things? Focus, divergence, and a compelling tagline? So moving on to part two, formulating blue ocean strategy. So now in that first part, obviously he defined what a blue ocean strategy was. He looked at a variety of companies. He kind of describes the, the methodology behind it. Now he's saying, okay, let's, let's dive into your company and for, formulate your blue ocean strategy. In conducting our research, we sought to discover whether there were systematic patterns for reconstructing market boundaries to create blue oceans. And if there were, we wanted to know whether these patterns applied across all types of industry sectors, from consumer goods to industrial products, to finance and services, to telecoms and IT, to pharmaceuticals and B2B, or were they limited to specific industries? We found clear patterns for creating blue oceans. Specifically, we found six basic approaches to remaking market boundaries. We call this the six paths framework. So essentially, that's what part two is going through, the six paths. I'll give you the paths, but I'm not going to give great detail for what those are. Path one, look across alternative industries. Um, again, Apple interesting thing. They created computers. They were a computer company. So to jump into a music space was a completely different industry, but their product had grown to a point where music made sense, right? Path two, look across strategic groups within the industry. So an example he gives is like luxury cars versus like the typical cars that people are buying by basically niching out a specific consumer within the industry you're looking at. Path three, look across the chain of buyers. The purchasers who pay for the product or service may differ from the actual users. And in some cases, there are important influencers as well. Although these three groups may overlap, they often differ. When they do, they frequently hold different definitions of value. A corporate purchasing agent, for example, may be more concerned with cost than the corporate user, who is likely to be far more concerned with ease of use. So who are you selling to and who's it going to be used by? Number four, look across complementary product and service offerings. Imagine a movie theater with a babysitting service. Untapped value is often hidden in complementary products and services. Number five, look across functional or emotional appeal to buyers. 
Some industries compete principally on price and function largely on calculations of utility. Their appeal is rational. Other industries compete largely on feelings. Their appeal is emotional. Where can you increase or decrease one of those levers to make yourself different from the crowd? Path six, look across time. Most companies adapt incrementally and somewhat passively as events unfold. But key insights into blue ocean strategy rarely come from projecting the trend itself. Instead, they arise from business insights into how the trend will change value to customers and impact the company's business model. By looking across time from the value a market delivers today to the value it might deliver tomorrow, managers can actively shape their future and lay claim to new blue ocean. Uh, I like another diagram from head-to-head competition to blue ocean creation. Okay, so industry, head-to-head is focuses on rivals within its industry. A blue ocean looks across alternative industries. Strategic group, a a head-to-head competition focuses on competitive position within strategic group. A blue ocean looks across strategic groups within an industry. A buyer group, head-to-head, focuses on better serving the buyer group. Blue Ocean redefines the industry buyer group. Scope of product or service offering. Head-to-head focuses on maximizing the value of product and service offering within the bounds of its industry. A Blue Ocean looks across to complementary product and service offerings. Functional emotional orientation. Head-to-head focuses on improving price performance within functional emotional orientation of its industry. Blue Ocean rethinks the functional-emotional orientation of its industry. And time. Head-to-head focuses on adapting to external trends as they occur. A Blue Ocean participates in shaping external trends over time. Now, another section of this book, he starts talking about, like, look at customers that that nobody in your industry really even pays attention to. And he says there's essentially three tiers of customers. The first tier is your market, the ones you're already selling to. Then there's a second and third tier, and they get less and less relevant to your product. But sometimes they're not relevant to your product because of the positioning of the things we just talked about, like that emotional grid versus that logic grid, the pricing versus the value. Uh, You know, think of like maybe people with young children aren't going to the movies because the sitter costs too much or it's too inconvenient. Instead of just going to a couple hour movie, it's like the planning and all that. So if you added a babysitting service to your theater, maybe that group who wants to watch the movie, but has like other things, you solve their problem for them. And now suddenly they're a customer group and and so on. So it gets farther away with your third tier group, but he, he, emphasizes how much money is sitting there available to companies in those second and third tier groups that companies don't even look at because it seems difficult to make them happy. Now, part three, executing blue ocean strategy. This is the part of the book where I feel like, you know, it appeals to a leader where you can actually take some tips and tricks from this section and say, okay, how am I organizing my company and my teams? Where am I putting my resources? Uh, How can we better communicate and drive innovation? He says the four organizational hurdles to strategy execution. Number one, cognitive hurdle, an organization wedded to the status quo. Number two, political hurdle, opposition from powerful tested interests 
Number three, motivational hurdle, unmotivated staff. Number four, resource hurdle, limited resource. Now he's going to go through these things in detail and tell you how they think that I keep saying he, it's two authors and um, best I can tell, at least one's not even a man. So I apologize about that. <laughs> so they're going to go through uh, each of these and and kind of help you understand where you could shift your organization to overcome these things like unmotivated staff. How do you get them motivated, right? Towards the end of the book, he says, the sustainability and renewal of blue ocean strategy. Creating blue oceans is not a static achievement, but a dynamic process. Once a company creates a blue ocean and its powerful performance consequences are known, sooner or later, imitators appear on the horizon. The question is, how soon or late will they come? Put differently, how easy or difficult is blue ocean strategy to imitate? As the company and its early imitators succeed and expand the blue ocean, more companies eventually jump in. This raises a related question. When should a company reach out to create another blue ocean? In this concluding chapter, we address the issue of sustainability and renewal of the blue ocean strategy. He says, more often than not, a blue ocean strategy will go without credible challenges for 10 to 15 years, as was the case with Cirque du Soleil. Southwest Airlines, Federal Express, the Home Depot, Bloomberg, and CNN for starters. This sustainability can be traced to the following imitation barriers rooted in blue ocean strategy. There are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight that he's going to list. I'll read the very last one for you. He says, when a company offers a leap in value, it rapidly earns brand buzz and a loyal following in the marketplace. Even large advertising budgets by an aggressive imitator rarely have the strength to overtake the brand buzz earned by the value innovator. Microsoft, for example, has been trying for years to dislodge into its value innovation, Quicken. More than 10 years out, despite all its efforts and investment, it has not been able to do so. Microsoft also tried to get into the, you know, music industry game and outdo the iPod and a variety of other things. Whereas Apple has continued to sort of find new industries to disrupt. I heard somebody the other day, I think it was a CEO of another large tech company saying that the real innovation or the real uh, power behind Apple is not their like iPods or tech. It's their organization. The fact that they can put really excellent people in a group and say, go disrupt this industry and give them a lot of power and autonomy and the ability to get resources to tap into innovating an in, in industry and then scale that up and then go find another one and do it again. And so Apple doesn't really compete with like, like when Microsoft was trying to outdo the iPod, Apple was already focused on a different thing. So while Microsoft's trying to take their share of the iPod space, Apple just went to the cell phone space and then they turned iTunes into another level. And now there's Apple TV and then there's, uh, you know, iPads and, and they just keep innovating new spaces instead of trying to compete with uh, one with other companies. In fact, Simon Sinek has a has a great story in in his book and and he shares it in his speeches all over that he had been to a Microsoft summit or something right they asked him to speak to their employees and on his way out they gave him 
their version of the iPod. I can't even remember what it's called. <laughs> but um, he he got it and they showed him a demo and how amazing it was and all that. Well, not too long later, he also ended up speaking at Apple and he shared a cab with one of the high leaders in Apple and he kind of had to poke the bear and he said, you know, I spoke at Microsoft and they gave me their whatever their version is of the iPod. And he said, and I have to say, it's way better than the iPod. And the guy turned to him and he said, I'm I'm sure it is something like that, right? I don't doubt that it is. Like not threatened, like I hope they have a great time working on it because it's like, we're already moving on to new things. Like we're already creating a new blue ocean. And uh, so the fact that Microsoft's trying to come and wrestle with us in the mud or whatever it's like whatever man like eat your heart out good luck we're moving on right so that's kind of the idea between behind blue ocean strategy so like i said if you're a business owner or a salesperson or something this would be a really good book to help you understand like market dynamics and how you can differentiate yourself from the status quo what already exists you can really step by step walk through like what is my offering what are the competition's offerings how am i going to um sort of offer to a new crowd a new client base um in- increase my value decrease my cost for uh, certain people like break into a new space, offer a different product or offer a bundle of products or something that will make it kind of irrelevant that, you know, five, six, 10 other people are trying to compete for the exact same um, customers. And I'm just going to go create a new offering, a new space to a new crowd. And so um, there you have it. Blue ocean strategy. So it's a pretty well-written book in, uh, it, it would be really entertaining, I think, to the right reader. So um, go check it out if this one's for you. As always, I'll put the link in the show notes so that you can purchase from Amazon. When you do so, I get a small cut at no additional charge to you. So I appreciate you using those links when you do do choose to purchase. But otherwise, I appreciate the support. I appreciate you showing up and uh, we will catch you on the next one. Thanks, guys. Hey, thanks for listening to the entire episode. As a token of gratitude, I want to give you a discount on my book, Ingrained. Head over to bronsonwilkes.com store and download Ingrained for less than a dollar with the coupon code GOALS, G-O-A-L-S.